Well, uh, look, we're here from uh, with HBCU um, to start up. We're here with uh, Code 2040, one of the um, people from the program itself and one of their fellows, Sade Page. And we're here to talk about the Code 2040 um, application process, their program, and just an overview of what this program does to bring more minorities into Silicon Valley and give them internship experience. So I guess let's start things off and um, have Philip introduce himself and then um, Sharday as well. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, just getting the word out for the Code 2040 Fellows Program and, and just all of the work we're doing. Um, so my name is Philip Loya. I am the National Student Recruitment Manager at Code 2040. So my job is basically to go to schools, um, visit schools, um, talk to students virtually, obviously, like this, or um, or in person, online, via email, and talk to them about Code 2040 and some of the great programs that we're running for students. Um, so that's a little bit about me. My background is not in tech. I'm not a, uh, I, I don't have a tech degree, um, but I come from a background of recruitment and working with, um, specifically with low-income underrepresented students, uh, trying to get them to college. So I've been at Code 2040 now for about seven months, uh, and it's been a really great experience, um, and hopefully I can answer some questions that y'all might have about um, you know, the application process as well as what it's like to, to um, you know, interview and intern at one of our partner companies. So I'll pass it along to you, Sharday. Hello everyone, my name is Sharday Page. I am a senior computer science major at Howard University. I completed the Code 2040 Fellowship Program this past summer and I also interned with Pandora. So if you have any questions about those, I can answer them for you. Cool, cool. So um, I guess just for anybody who's not super familiar with Code 2040, can you give us some background about the program and kind of an overview, Philip? Yeah, for sure. So Code2040 is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping underrepresented folks, specifically um, Black and Latino students, uh, a way in our path to the innovation economy, the tech economy. So um, the way we do that is through multiple programs, um, two that I recruit for, the um, Technical Applicant Prep Program, as well as, uh, or TAP, as well as the Fellows Program. So um, a little bit about TAP because it does relate to the fellows program. So TAP was created, um, what it is, it's online in-person uh, platform that we, that we have that helps students get um, an internship. So like if you start from today, what are the things and steps that I need to do in order to get an internship a year from now? Um, so the way we do that is we have an applicant playbook online that's just like a big resource for you. Uh, open to everyone and you have like month by month or what are the things that you should be doing, personal projects, school projects, et cetera, finding mentors and whatnot. We also do in-person workshops as well as weekend long retreats where we go over, you know, bias and imposter syndrome, resume building, um, tech interviewing, whiteboarding interview practice, behavioral interview practice, all of that great stuff. Um, so the reason why it was TAP was created was because of our fellows program. So our fellows program is our flagship program where we partner and match um, top tech students, computer science, computer engineering, uh, computer engineering, software engineer students with tech companies in the San Francisco Bay Area. So what we've learned over the last five years or so of the fellows program is that um, a lot of underrepresented folks, specifically Black and Latino folks, don't um, necessarily have the tools or know or have the resources to even interview or, or get an interview at a tech company. So uh, that was why TAP was created, to help students, all students, as many as we can, uh, in order to at least at the minimum practice these skills and build their resume. With the Fellows Program, it's an eight-week summer program in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have students from all over the country come out. Uh, you work 40 hours a week at a tech company. So Charday worked at Pandora. Some of our other partner companies include um, uh, 
what Apple, Intel, Intuit, Airbnb, Lyft. I think we have, as of last Friday, 39 partner companies signed on. So uh, anywhere from the really small startup to uh, a giant organization like Apple or Pandora. Um, Pandora is not giant, but, you know, giant name. Uh, so what the students do or what our fellows do is 40 hours of interning and you're working on pretty much mission critical projects. So you're not just like pushing papers or making copies or grabbing people's coffee. You're actually coding, you're, you know, working on, um, on projects that go live to, to, to different folks um, or to the entire, their entire population of um, users. So while you're interning uh, one to two times a week, we also have um, weekly workshops and speaker series. So the workshops include things like um, how to be an effective engineer, uh, iOS and Android development. Uh, our speaker series include um, talks with venture capitalists, um, talks with entrepreneurs, uh, with people that have started founders of, of um, startups and other bigger organizations. We do media training, design thinking. So we do all of that throughout the summer as well on top of your entire work week. Um, we have some weekend events. Uh, we do, we, it's, it's really busy weekend or busy eight weeks as Sade can probably attest to. Um, but what ends up happening is on the weekends, we'll have a hackathon, uh, over the weekend. We do an alumni summit. We have a reverse career fair. So instead of you going up to companies and saying like, I really want to work for you, we set you up with your own station, with your resumes and profiles and your laptop and companies come up to you and say, like, we really want you to work for us. Um, so we do that throughout the summer, or we do that at one point in the summer. So, uh, and then we have fun, like, barbecues, and we, we had a game of codes where we just kind of competed uh, with each other. Sharday was on my team, so we were good. Um, <laughs> we ended up, um, so that's kind of, like, the, the gist of the overall summer. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of networking. It's a lot of... Um, getting to know other people and one thing that I would mention is that all of our workshops and our speaker series are held at the different headquarters of our partner companies so you know one day you might be at the Lyft headquarters one day you might be at the Slack headquarters another workshop you're you know at one of our small startup companies so you really get to see the whole gamut of like what companies offer um, one of the things that I guess it's usually the eye catcher is that if they're paid internships, so you're actually getting paid a minimum of a thousand dollars a week. So, um, so you're getting paid pretty, pretty well. And that's the minimum. Some companies compensate in other ways as well. So on top of the thousand dollars a week, you're also getting maybe a housing stipend or maybe you're getting food every day or you're getting, um, or you have, you know, catered lunch or catered dinner a couple times a week. So it really kind of depends on, on the company. So at the minimum, you're getting paid, you're working in the Bay Area, you're meeting a bunch of people. We had 35 fellows this last summer. Next summer, we're looking to have 80 fellows. So we're more than doubling our uh, amount of fellows. So we need and want as many people as possible to apply and to, um, and to become fellows. Um, so that's a little bit about TAP and, and more about what our fellows program entails. Um, Sade, I don't know if I missed out on anything that I know is a, a crazy busy summer. Nothing I can think of now. <laughs> you said a lot. Cool, cool. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows, um, as you're watching this Hangout Live with us, you can post your questions. There should be um, an icon up top or to the left that should say Q&A or just a place where you can post your questions and we'll be able to see them and then answer your questions throughout this call. Um, but while we are waiting to have your questions pour on in, I guess let's uh, hear from Sade, how did um, your application process go and just how, is, how did you hear about Code 2040 and end up in the program? Mm -hmm. So I actually found out Code 2040 at Grace Hopper Conference where me and you actually went, me and Hannah went, um, we stopped at their booth and met the people there, and then we went to like a like a, a dinner where we got to meet the founder Laura like in person, and she talked to us more in depth about what Code Twenty Forty was because it's not really that known. It's kind of really smaller, and they're trying to get more known and stuff. So once we got to talk to her, like I got to 
really like learn like what Code 2040 is and learn their mission. And like, I really fell in love with it, like, because clearly I'm a black female in, in tech and I'm really like for like, oh, um, diversifying the tech. So of course I applied. Um, I also was interviewing with Pandora at the same time. So I didn't need to finish the um, technical aspect of the application, but I did end up getting Pandora first. And then, uh, then after that, I got Code 2040. So you, I'm not sure if they're allowing you to do that way this year. I don't know, Philip, if y'all um, are allowing that. But if you get an internship with a company that's already partnered with Code 2040, then that could also help you um, solidify your chances of being a fellow. So that's basically how I got into Code 2040 and interned at Pandora. Cool, cool. So. What what are, how was your interview process like? What types of questions um, what were you asked after you submitted your initial um, application with Pandora or with Code Twenty Forty or both? Um, let's let's do both actually. Okay, um, so I interviewed with Pandora first, and they look at your resume. They say, "Hey, you're fit with this team." So then you get a two thirty minute phone call with um, two people in that team. I happened to speak to. Um, one of my uh, team members who ended up being my mentor there. And then I also spoke to my manager. Um, they were really behavioral questions. I would say they weren't necessarily like really technical and like trying to get you to say, hey, how do you reverse a treat on the phone? Like it was really like um, personal. I really liked the way Pandora um, like really tried to get to know the person and see like where their technical strengths is and then see if you would be a match with the team. Um, that's why I really like Pandora's um, interview process. Um, with Code 2040, um, after you complete the, uh, what is the first step after you complete the... Um, code challenge? No, because I didn't get to that point. I didn't need to... <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about this year's, like, uh, the, the we, we moved things around a little bit from the way that Charday uh, okay. you know when when Charday applied it was like a longer application at first so it was like a bunch of questions and and all of that and then we did the tech interview um, or the tech assessment uh, the, this year what we're doing is like a very short first stage which is like your name and some general information and then the tech assessment and then the short answer questions uh, and then phone interview so it's a little bit a, a little bit moved around same pretty much same elements um, but a little bit different than the way that, that Charday interviewed. Um, but it, you still had to fill out like the short answer questions. And I believe you still interviewed too for at Code 2040. Yeah. So, which is a behavior interview. So. Cause my vocation, I think the order was, um, like you fill out your like basic, like name, resume, stuff like that. And then you do short answers and then you do the technical assessment. Or was it the uh the phone call and then the tech technical tech assessment. assessment and then the phone call yeah okay well yeah um it was relatively like behavioral like philip said they was just getting to know you seeing if you were like um a good candidate for the fellows it was not technical at all because i think phil you might have interviewed me <laughs> i might have yeah i, I might have i don't yeah it's all a blur now yeah <laughs> ancient history right it was just about a year ago, right? Um, so I guess, Philip, um, what are some common misconceptions people have about Code 2040 going in? I, I've talked to a lot of freshmen at Howard, and I'm always saying, go apply, go apply, go do this. And they're like, I don't know, I'm not ready. You know, it's almost, I, I know a lot of people, one common misconception must be people feel like they have to be prepared totally for everything. But I know you've come across some others. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think... First of all, um, you know, that's, I, I think the, the biggest thing at first is like, what's the catch? Like, why, like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you doing tap or why are you doing fellows? Like, what do you get out of this? Like, what do I have to pay? Um, and you know, the, the biggest, I think that's probably the biggest mis misconception is that like the student actually has to do something because like, why are you helping us? <laughs> And which is kind of sad when you think about it, it's like, you know, an organization um, or especially nowadays, you, you might not trust like different organizations that say that they can do these things for you. And all we're saying is like, we can try to help you as much as possible get into tech. 
So, you know, we don't make any promises or guarantees that you're going to get an internship or that you're going to become a fellow. Um, but what we can help you with and what we can guarantee is that we're going to do whatever we can in order to help you through the process. So um, I think the biggest for the Code 2040 um, program is the tech assessment. And the, the tech assessment, you know, you need to practice, like, um, if you don't pass a tech assessment the first time that you are like, we're going to see that and not want you, uh, to take it again. And all of those are like super big misconceptions. You can t take and retake the tech assessment as many times as you want. Um, so we, what we opened up this last week, um, was a little bit is, so now it's a little bit different. So it's the same tech assessment. We use hackerrank.com. We have three questions. It's timed. It's 165 minutes. Um, what we do now is when you get your email inviting you to stage two, which is the tech assessment, uh, we, we link a Google, Google Doc with, um, with the three questions that we're going to ask you. So you can look at them. You can, um, you know, write them out you can practice you can do whatever you need to do in order to to feel prepared for it but you don't have to feel like okay i'm gonna ace this i'm gonna get 100 percent um what we really want you to do is answer each of the questions as best as you can within those 165 minutes and not get a perfect on each question before you move on so answer each of the questions as best as you can um within within the time limit now we also understand that taking a timed assessment is also um, difficult and really like anxiety inducing. So what we've also opened up was last year's API challenge. So last year's API challenge, it's four questions. It's not timed. You have all the questions up front uh, and you'll receive that link once you apply to stage one too. So you have an option to take either one. If you pass either one, you get to move forward into the next stage, which is a short answer questions. Uh, you, we don't weigh each one any more than the other. Uh, if you take hacker rank and you pass it, awesome. If you do the API challenge and you pass it, awesome. Like we have no preference. Okay. Uh, okay. If you choose. Yeah. So it's, it's totally up to you. And if you take the hacker rank assessment four times and you pass it on your fourth try, then we have zero, like, we don't even count how many times you took it before. So, like, we, the, the thing that I tell students is, like, when you are interviewing at a tech company, they're going to ask you similar questions. So consider this practice for that time. Like, our goal at Code2040 is not to kick students out of our process. Our goal is to help students get through the process. And at the very minimum, what you're doing is you're, you're practicing uh, technical interviewing. You're practicing your skills. You're working on your coding skills. If you don't pass it this year, then, you know, you're still part of our community. You can still do things with TAP and you can reapply next year. Uh, we had a lot of finalists and we had a lot of applicants from last year just reapply this year. So um, don't be too, don't, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, choose whichever one, whichever assessment or the API challenge, whichever one, you know, you feel more comfortable with. Uh, and then right after that is a short answer question, which is just getting to know you better. What are the things that you like to do outside of tech? Um, getting to know who you are, if you fit as a Code 2040 fellow. And then also, the once you pass that, then we have our 30-minute behavioral phone interview, which is conducted by either myself, uh, one of our my colleagues, or uh, volunteers. So, um, and those are like super chill also. So don't feel like, this is like really the, all of this is just practice for you. Um, and once you become a finalist then that's when, um, that's when you, we start matching you with companies and we can get into that too, um, later on if people have questions about how that works. But, um, the tech assessment is like, just do the tech assessment. Like that's the biggest thing is just like the biggest challenge is just to actually do it and take it, retake it, do whatever you can. Um, and if you feel like it's not it's not your time or you need to work on your coding skills, that's totally, totally appropriate. Um, so the, that's that's the biggest thing I'd like to take away from here. Yeah, that's great. I, I got I just want to restate that, you know, you have the um, option of doing the API challenge, right? right or right. doing the HackerLink um, Code 2040 challenge, which you have four um, times to 
we we try. You have unlimited amount of times to retry. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Cool. That sounds great. And it's, I think it's really great that you guys give um, applicants options as they're entering the um, program so that there's a way for people to showcase their abilities in the way that they're most comfortable with. Um, so I guess I would like to ask Charday, um, how was your experience like in the program as an intern? Was that your first time working in Silicon Valley or were you kind of like returning? Um, so the summer before last, I entered at Microsoft up in Seattle in the Redmond main campus, I mean main, main headquarters. And then this summer I was interning with Pandora in the Bay Area where Pandora is actually located in Oakland and not really in the Silicon Valley area. Um, more, more black people, more Hispanics, more color, which I loved. Um, I enjoyed being around um, people who look like me because um, it's more fam more familiar to like where I'm from. I'm from Baltimore. I'm around a lot of black people. I go to school in D.C. Again, a lot of black people. Um, San Francisco is more, you know, more white. It's less black people. And then Silicon Valley is even worse than that as far as uh, diversity. Um, as far as like the actual experiences with both, um, I really enjoyed um, interning with Pandora. I enjoyed going to all the Code 2040 events. There are certain times where like um, there'll be three or four events a week and we're just like, oh, I'm so tired. But once we got there, like we felt that it was worth it. We got like um, something out of it each each workshop, each of them were different. Each of them were catered to a different thing. Um, even the ones where we had no idea what they were talking about, like uh, the workshop on VCs, I had no idea what anyone was talking about, but we still learned something from it. Like we learned that, hey, this is important. Maybe we should study it, um, come back, ask more questions about what VCs are and like how they're important in, our, um, in the world. Um, but yeah. Cool, cool. Um, um, I guess another thing I like to ask, especially since we're HBCU startup, uh, what percentage of you guys' applicants or, or fellows have come from HBCUs? Oh, that's a question I probably should have studied up on before <laughs> before you asked me. So uh, your interview. <laughs> I know, seriously. What I can tell you is, is uh, from last year, like where our students came from, um, so we ended up having 400 applicants from last year. Uh, we have 400 applicants, 95 of which became finalists. Um, mind you, this year's application process is a little bit different. We had 95 uh, finalists from 56 different universities. Um, so those were um, throughout the U.S. as well as um, in uh, Puerto Rico. So then uh, we also had some international students from Brazil as well. And out of the 95 finalists, we had 35 fellows that were from 23 different universities. Um, so even though that doesn't answer your question exactly, um, what I can do is I can get, those, uh, those, uh, get, get that answered for you. Um, one of the big things that we're doing a little bit differently this year is we have our, and because we have a little bit of a bigger team, is that we have our campus ambassador program. So we have 10 students from 10 uni different universities, 10 fellows that are our campus ambassadors at that school. So Charday is one of our campus ambassadors. Um, she's putting on info sessions at Howard. Uh, we have um, students at other universities also doing similar things, looking for as many black and Latino folks as we can. Um, but I can definitely get that information for you. I could just, it's just a little, a little data cleanup and, um, and I can find that, but we, to, to say the least, we're like, we're not looking for students or we don't like intentionally look for students that are like at the top 10 CS schools, right? Like that's students apply from those schools. But as, as we all know, they're, they're also not the most diverse schools in general. I went to a big university, a big name university that is not really diverse. Uh, and if companies are only looking at students from those schools, they're not going to get a diverse talent pool. Uh, what we do is we look for students all over the place at every single university that we can in order to showcase to the companies that we work with um, and prove that these students coming from all these different schools have the talent, have the experience, have the projects, and have the language ability, coding language ability to 
be an asset to your company. Um, and it's working, you know, so companies are asking us like, which, which school should we go to? Uh, what, what schools are we missing out of this list? And I think that's kind of like the change that we're trying to create at Code 2040. Our goal is to not, is our, our actual goal of the organization is to not have our organization exist or not need an, uh, our organization to exist. And I think that's what is different about, about us is that we, um, we're trying to help the companies change their, change themselves from the inside as much as we are trying to help students get to those companies to change their um, their percentages of of black and Latinos um, at their companies. So it's kind of like a multi-pronged approach. And we know that we have students at all sorts of schools that aren't on target lists and uh, target lists that for us is like, why not? And um, and so our goal is really to find students from from all over the place to to be able to to change that to change Silicon Valley so that Silicon Valley is you know more colorful as Sade said you know with more black and brown folks um, I think that's that's probably the one thing that we would would love to see more than anything. Yeah, man, Sade, um, I'm a little jealous of you. you you make me want to go to Oakland or something. <laughs> no, we don't. But um. Speaking of which, um, real quick before the next question I have for you guys, I want to remind everybody watching that you can click the nine score icon up top, ask a question. You can ask Philip or Sade about Core 2040, what they think, um, any personal questions you have about your own application, um, anything, any magic words you can say to increase your chances of being a fellow or something else. I don't know, you know how this works, but I know Philip is going to give us all the secrets. Um, yeah, first. And I know you mentioned when you're talking about um, how students are selected for different programs from recruiters, um, how they sometimes overlook certain applicants that are more than qualified or capable. So I would um, be curious to find out, like, what makes a good applicant? What do you guys look for? And then also, Sade, how did you make sure that you were able to present yourself as an applicant to Core 2040 and to Pandora? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, so one of the things that we're doing differently this year is once you become a finalist, we have you resubmit an updated resume um, that is school blind. So no school information on there. You can put, you know, your major and what year you're graduating and maybe some of the classes that you've taken. Um, but no school is meant like your school's not mentioned anywhere on your resume um, you'll have your linkedin or your github on your on your resume which is totally fine because you're going to have your school on there right so the goal for the school blind resumes is so that recruiters once we say like hey here are our finalists they don't just look and see like oh okay this student went to stanford this student went to berkeley we'll take these this student went to like a cal state this student went to like a small a community college like let me pass on them what we want them to do is we want them to we want to pretty much force them to look at your experiences force them to look at your projects force them to look at all of the great things that you're doing um to take that bias out of there uh now if they really want to go in i have you know students that will email me saying like hey a recruiter looked at my um a recruiter looked at my linkedin and you know my school's on my linkedin and then i would just reply saying like yes you know that's exactly what we want them to do we want them to look at your linkedin we want them to look at your github because we want them to get to know you more than just what school did you go to so i think um that's probably the biggest change that we've that we're trying to implement and that we have implemented that i think is working um you know obviously our company partners are also um companies that want to hire more black and brown folks and so you know i had a, somebody ask me about like bias in name you know name bias and uh and we don't necessarily have to worry about that since everybody in our pool is black or latino so um that's one benefit that we do have of um that unfortunately for everybody else that's applying outside of code 2040 right i mean it's it's real like the bias and you know racism or unconscious bias or whatnot is real and the companies that are 
looking at applicants through us don't have necessarily that bias. So what other biases do they have? They have school bias. So then we take that out of the, so now what do they have? You know, so we're trying our best to, to really revamp the way that they're recruiting. And so that they're not only using it just for us, but they're using it for everyone. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that we're doing a little bit differently. And Sharday, I guess you can answer about like how you present, how you interviewed at Code 2040. I mean, at uh, Pandora and Code 2040. Yeah, so uh, one of the things I would definitely say is make sure your resume like really shows you in a great way. Um, make sure you showcase all your experiences and all your skills right at the top so they know like, oh, this person is great at, I don't know, app building, mobile app building or web development or whatever have you. Um, even if you're like, you're just starting out in uh, programming and you don't really have that much experience, like make sure you say that um early on just say hey i'm early on in programming but i really want to learn i'm really open to doing certain things i'm a fast learner or um i'm really excited about blank projects that's how um they really see like oh this person is even though they may not have the skills yet they can learn to build those skills while they're there um I did have a previous internship before going to Pandora, so that did kind of help me out um, as far as like knowing the the transition from classroom to internship because it's totally different. And um, internships are the great experience to show you like how it is in the real world, uh, which I absolutely love versus being in the classroom, stuck in the classroom, listening to a teacher talk for hours, not really like getting the hands on like on the projects and stuff. Um, but other than that, other than the have your resume stand out, make sure you're doing those um, extracurricular activities where you're building those skills. Make sure you're um, doing little fun projects on the side. Maybe you're building like a little small app or um, creating a website or helping out with an organization with their website or something like that just to help um, keep those skills going and keep building those up. Yeah. Huh. I have a question for you, Sade. If I, you don't mind me asking, Hannah. <laughs> of course, was, of course. Was how was your um, like your technical interview with Pandora? Oh yeah, um, honestly, like it was one of the easiest interviews I've ever had, and I guess that was why I loved it so great because I was able to be myself and be like calm and like just talk like gently like through a problem. There wasn't like it was just on a phone call, so it wasn't like they wanted me to like actually like line by line of a code they wanted me to just um talk about how i would go through like certain problems and like they got to see like how i thought about it not necessarily code it which is a good thing too because you know like if you know what you're doing or if you know the um steps that you want to take to do something you know easy it's easy to translate that into code um yeah, so I, I think it was like my, one of my easiest interviews. I'm also gonna have to add that's because Sade is really smart, but <laughs> she, she's really laid back about that. But no, I'm, I'm sure the Pandora interview was very, very balanced. <laughs> it was, it was. And because it was so balanced, the people that were talking with me were very like, I feel like it was very personal. That's what made it so easy for me. And I haven't got that with like a lot of other interviews. Like I had, interviews that like were so terrible like i went straight into an interview and they'll be like okay uh reverse this treat i'm like well dang my name is Charday. nice to meet you i don't even know what team you're on <laughs> but yeah rewrite this api real quick for me yeah real quick i don't even know your name just do it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it could seem like that i think that's probably like one of one of the biggest like frustrations for us is like how, a lot of times in tech interviews, you're you're getting interviewed and they're asking you questions that totally do not relate to the actual work that you're going to be doing at the company. Exactly. Thank you. So I hate that. Yes. So so then like why like why ask that question, right? So because everybody um, reverses strings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so I think like one of the things that we're trying to do and what we're trying to help influence the reason why the reason why we, we release like what our questions were for the tech assessment so students can study for it is we're also asking companies if you're going to do a tech assessment or a tech interview with the student like one of our finalists like would you also be willing to release 
your interview questions or a you know sample of questions so that when people come in i mean you know if we can be real like a lot of you know black and brown folks and and generally underrepresented students do not do well on tech uh, on on standardized tests right like my sats were not great like uh my i never even took the gre because i was just so afraid of taking you know standardized tests and so but we're expecting you know us to go into a tech interview in front of like an engineer that you think is like super smart and answer a question that maybe you know maybe you don't know and so it's really intimidating so how do we like mitigate that and it's like maybe if somebody can study up a little bit um they know that they're not you're not going to come out of left field with the question then maybe those are ways that we can like get more representation within and it's not about you know, I, I've seen some really like rude comments, you know, online as always, but you know, like, oh, lowering the bar and whatnot. And it's not about lowering the bar as much as it's about making, making it accessible and making, uh, making it fair for everyone. Um, and it's, I think it's a big thing for me is about fairness and like how fair is the process and um, tech interviewing is, I feel like at least from being in this world for for half a year is is flawed um and it's something that we're really trying to help our partner companies at the minimum um learn how to navigate um so yeah so i don't know where my little rant is is going but at the end of the day i think it's just like we there needs to be some change and the way we get change also is by having more of you at those tech companies you know advocating for this as well so I think that your your complaints are echoed by a lot of students all across America right now <laughs> as we're preparing for interviews because it's kind of hard to know what to prepare for or um, just how to approach it. Um, I guess it's just one of those things though because you know you have to make sure that you have the skills but then again you have to prepare to communicate them and there's a, a very wide spectrum of how you may be evaluated. So that's why it's always good to you know, intern at um, multiple places, to um, apply to multiple places and look at the Code 2040 applicant playbook as well. Because a lot of times as minorities, we might not have that mentor or that person or that cousin to say, hey, this is what I did, you know. Um, so that's very, yeah. very, very important. So um, Code 2040, of course, is aimed at minorities in tech. But um, you guys uh, place different minorities in tech in companies that may not have the best um, numbers and diversity. So what advice do you give um, your students um, or your um, your fellows when they're going into these different work environments and how to navigate that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, so I won't ask her day how she dealt with this and she had like a great experience at Pandora. Um, but we do, <laughs> but it's it's a real, I mean, and but I'm sure Sharday had heard from from a lot of her peers about just kind of the industry and, and where they're at. And I mean, especially as a woman in tech or a black woman, Latino woman in tech is like, has its own extra issues, right? Like the intersectionality of that and whatnot. But so I, the one thing is with our partner companies, when they sign on with us, they're not just, you know, okay, we want, you know, five fellows and then that's it. What we do is we go into those companies, we do, you know, unconscious bias trainings, we do, um, we look at their job descriptions to make sure that they're inclusive and that they're diverse. Um, one of the, like an example is, and we wrote about this on our blog too, is like the word rock star, like, uh, like not, not too many, you know, under, underrepresented folks consider themselves rock stars, you know, because of our imposter syndrome or whatnot. But I don't consider myself a rock star. So if I would see like, hey, we're looking for the next rock star, I probably wouldn't apply for that job. But if we're looking for like an awesome person or, you know, a great person, like I probably would apply for that because I, I feel like I'm an awesome person or a great person. Like that's easier than a rock star. Um, so we go in and we look at those things. We, um, we help them kind of uh, navigate those issues as well. And I think on, on the student end, um, once they're there well one is we also have a relationship with all of the students managers so we check in with the man with their managers we do trainings with their managers we do trainings with students on how to manage their managers we um that's part of like our curriculum throughout the summer 
we have like multiple, multiple check-ins with um, the people that work there. If a student is having an issue at their company and they bring it up to us, we bring it up to the company. Like we don't like, we don't play around with that. Like our students are our number one priority and it should, they should also be the number one priority for, for the companies. Um, so one, it's also, it's preparing students to be in that type of environment. And the way you prepare students is just by talking about it, being real with it. I mean, we, we talk about like race, gender issues. Uh, I mean, at, at our office, like every day, but, um, you know, there's, there's, it, that might not be the same at, at your office at XYZ company. Um, so how do you like build your network in order to have people to talk to about those things? So, um, it's also about building, making sure that the Code 2040 Fellows environment is safe so that, and it's a safe space for us to be able to talk about those things with each other without feeling like we have to hide or we have to um, just not be, not be ourselves. Um, which is also very hard if you're going to work at a really big company that is not really diverse. So there's really no way to prepare yourself for it outside of just like knowing that you have people to back you up. Like we always say like we're, you, you hit the nail on the head, Hannah, with saying that, you know, we don't have like necessarily the resources or like the, the cousins or the brothers and, and sisters that are at these companies. But what we'd like to say, or I, at the minimum, I like to say at Code 2040 is like where your aunt and your uncle that are like, hey, you know, on your resume, let me look over your resume real quick. Oh, you should move this and, and put this there. You should add your school projects, add your class projects, add, you know, those are legit projects that you're working on, especially if you don't have a ton of like tech experience. Um, your, your, add your projects, your, your, your mobile apps that you create, add all of those things onto your resume. You know, when you go into a tech interview, this is what you should expect. When you go into a behavior interview, this is what you should, should expect. You know, or you want to negotiate your salary, these, these are the steps that you should take. Yes, this is a great salary. No, this is not a great salary. You know, we we help we we try to be that guide and that person for you, um, because we know that it's not there necessarily at at that company that you might work at. Uh, and I think it's some companies are getting it. You know, some people some companies get there, and some companies are are really great about it, and some need to work on it. But I think if you look at the list of partner companies that 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 work with Code 2040, like the, at the minimum, you know, those companies are actually trying to do something about it. Um, so that's, to answer your question, there's not really much we can do to like protect you outside of us making sure that we're in co constant and um, consistent communication with like your manager, with the people at your company um, and with you. So we have advisor groups. Sade was in my advisor group. Uh, we talk like all the time on Slack and like send memes and all of that stuff. And so in order to, to know that you have that family to, to lean on when, when times get tough. So that's, that's kind of what we do at Code 2040 to help you through, through that process. I can definitely add on the diversity in tech because I came from Microsoft, which is Definitely terrible diversity um, ratings or percentages or whatever. Um, in my whole building that I worked in during the summer, I was the only black female in the whole building. At least like maybe 100 people. I'm not even sure. It might have been more. Um, there were only two black people, one guy and then me. And I was an intern. So that says a lot about like how Microsoft is and the culture there as well. Um, and it was very difficult for me because I was around all these people that I'm not really used to being around. Um, it was hard for me to be my completely myself. Um, I just, I wasn't getting the hang of things as fast as they were. And I didn't speak up because I was like ashamed. Oh, I was afraid that they were looking at me like, oh, this black girl don't know how to code or something. Um, but the reason why I love Code 2040 is because all these companies that are partnering with Code 2040 know exactly what they're signing up for. They know that they're trying to get these um, black, black students and Latino students to be in their company and they're helping, they're um, mentoring them, they're pushing them to do better, even if like you feel like um, you don't know what you're doing. Like I know I had a friend who, um, who felt like, I'm not going to say nothing, but she felt like um, she wasn't like doing the best that she could, but like. The company loves her and they love her personality. They love like her um, 
contribution to the team, even though she felt like personally like she wasn't doing as great as she wanted to. Um, these companies know exactly what they're in for. And like what Philip said as far as like um, Code 2040 helps mentor the companies to like do their unconscious bias and how not to make it so awkward for that one black student in the room or whatever and things like that. Um, as far as Pandora, like I absolutely love Pandora. I'm going back. Like I'm already sold. <laughs> um, their diversity ratings are. What'd you say? She's going back full time, everybody. Oh yeah, I already signed the yeah contract and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I was really comfortable at Pandora, even though like there still is an issue with like oh there's not a lot of black people in the room, but. At Pandora, there's a lot of other types of races as well. There's there's a lot of females. My manager actually was a black female, which that made me like love my team. Um, there's a lot of different type of races, like Indian, Latino, Asian. Like it wasn't just white as far as like at Microsoft, and like that was a change for me, and that's why I loved it so much because the culture was very different. So. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. So, you know, we're almost down to the last 10 minutes. I'm really surprised there are no questions right now. Um, did you guys see the question button towards the top? The, um, the uh, nine score icon at all? No, any um, questions as we are going to start talking about the last few talking points at all? Okay. Well, I guess we will um, continue on. Mm -hmm. um, so we've talked about the... Um, can you give us a list of the companies that you partner with this for the next year of Code 2040 Fellow? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of companies, so I'm not going to be able to list every single one, but I can go do my best. Let's see. Um, Intuit, Intel, Apple, um, Lyft, Airbnb, LinkedIn, Pandora, Panafold, um, Presence, uh carbon five so pre like presence and carbon five are like kind of like development shops so they're like smaller you get to do more like consulting um i'm trying to make sure that i don't list companies that haven't necessarily signed re-signed uh, re on um we have two so far two uh non-profits that signed on uh watsi and and health leads um, so if you're into like more like social, uh, social impact nonprofits, there's also those companies that we work for or that we work with. We will have a entire list cause we're still signing on the last couple of, um, we're still signing on the last couple of, of companies. We'll have an entire list within like the next week or two is when we expect to have, uh, actually within the next week, we expect to be completely sold out of like our spots. So our companies sign up, we have, a you know, a limited amount of spots that, that companies can, um, can choose. And then from there we end up having the, um, that's how we end up, you know, matching, you know, at Pandora, we might have five fellows, whereas carbon five, we might have one fellow. So it just kind of depends on how many fellows they choose to have. A, and there's, it's a little bit more complicated than that because it's also dependent on like how big the organization is and whatnot. So there's 39 companies, and I've listed about 12 of them. So there's, there's plenty more and, and we're, they're in all sorts of, I think Coursera is another one. Um, they're in all sorts of, of different genres, right? So it's like education, transportation, um, travel, education. Uh, I think I said education. We have just like a bunch of different companies. Uh, I wish I could just list them all off on top of my head. But I, I, I usually have like a slide with all of them, uh, which helps a lot. I think Sade has seen that slide. Um, but it's it's really once that list is published, I think the best thing that I the best advice I give to students who are not eligible for Code Twenty Forty um, if they're already if they're already in their um, you know if they've already graduated or whatnot, I think looking at that list of companies that partnered with us is the best way to figure out um, like which companies are actually trying to make a difference with their diversity numbers. Great, great. Yeah, you know, I totally understand about the list, but it's good to give people a general idea from what types of companies or just maybe a general like uh, idea basically. Yeah. So we have a question from um, Jordan Smith. 
And he wants to know how many five fellows already. How many could he could you I didn't hear you. He wants to know how many spots have been taken or have been um filled already for the next fellowship. So we're still like very new ish into that. Um the official number right now is uh is two spots that we've officially um have. We have multiple offers out. So the way it kind of works is that companies uh are interviewing like all of our companies you imagine 39 companies interviewing all of our students all of our students and companies are at different stages of the process right now um so there's like a bunch of students in the interview process a bunch of students in the final uh, process of like accepting their offer and not accepting their offer officially on our board we have a whiteboard with the names on there we have officially two um, so we have plenty of space for uh, for the rest of our of the students listening um, to apply and reapply uh, and and hopefully become a Code Twenty Forty fellow next summer. I think one thing I didn't mention that Jordan's question kind of brought up is um, eligibility. So the students that are eligible are those who um, it's pretty simple, but your I self identifies you self identifies Black or Latino. And the biggest one is that you are returning to school in fall 2016. So that can be either as an undergrad or a grad student, as long as you're returning to fall to school fall 2016. Um, the main reason behind that is, you know, we are, you know, providing, you know, internships for folks and, you know, it's an internship and that's the programming we do for interns is totally different than the programming somebody going into a full-time role um, would need. So that's that's the main difference. Uh, we're still thinking about how we can help students that are seniors. And if you are a senior, I would say I would highly recommend to just go onto our website and enroll in TAP. And then you can get all of our emails for our webinars, our resume webinars that are coming up and tech interviewing webinars, uh, invites to our retreats, all of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And also for seniors, I would also like to recommend um, the resources on HPCU to start up and also our Facebook group. There are many people who have posted job and also internship opportunities, which um, graduating students can also apply for as well. So we have our next question from Austin. Well, first he wants to tell you that your experience sounds amazing, Sade, and I definitely agree. Um, I'm going to come visit you out there. <laughs> and everything and then he wants to know also from you philip will code 2040 be um placing students with internships at venture capital firms yeah so not yet so all of our internships are software engineer um internships so you're coding most of the time um if we end up getting uh where it's open if some vc firms you know need a software engineer and they're willing to to be a Code 2040 partner, then you know that's totally on the table. But right now, we don't have any. You will meet VCs. You'll meet some venture to ca venture capitalists, but um, but right now we don't have any companies that I believe that I can think off of the top of my head that are VC firms right now. Okay. Good question, though. Great, great. So, um, Jonathan Yokoro wants to know how long after submitting the short answer questions should we expect to find out if we've made it to the next step of the process? Yeah, that's a great question. So you will find out um, early next week. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, if you've submitted already, if you submitted your short answer questions already. If you haven't, if you're like still in the process, it takes, um, we're trying to wrap everything up uh, by November 21st, which means, um, that the last time you can take and pass your tech assessment is November 12th. November 12th is the absolute last time you can pass your tech assessment. Then we give you a few days to do your short answer questions and then, um, then we'll read them. So as you can imagine with the deadline looming, we have a ton of um, short answer questions to read right now. So we're still like kind of mowing through those so that we can um, continue to do our phone interviews over the next couple of weeks. So be patient with us, um, but definitely if you've already submitted your short answer questions, you'll hear from us within um, really early next week. That's really good, that's really good. 
are there any other questions? Um, I'm going to start having Sade and Philip kind of say their last words or any other things that we didn't cover that they want to make sure that they get out to all of you guys right now. But I think we have room for one more question. So I guess, Sade, what do you want to tell other students who, um, you know, are looking to get into your place or just still confused about the whole process? Um, if you have any questions about the application, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can directly mention Code 2040 or Philip or me, and we'll all just like direct you to the right person who can answer your questions. Um, you can also go on the website and learn more about it. Like if like we missed something, you can read more about it there. Um, as far as like just applying, like don't be afraid. Like you can do it. Trust me, because if I did it, you can do it. I promise you. Um, there's a lot of students like when I did the info session here at Howard who are like, mm, I don't think I'm ready to do the technical assessment because it sounds hard or um, it looks challenging or maybe I don't feel like I have enough skills to even try it yet. Don't tell yourself that. Just do it. Try it. You get a, you get a, a lot of, what is it, unlimited chances. So you're able to try it out, stop, pause, look at what you did, correct your mistakes, study, learn more about it, and then try it again. Like, Don't be afraid of the technical assessment. It's really not as challenging as it may seem, and it is all worth it in the end. We're a big family, Coach 2040 family, and I legit look at these people like my family. I can go to them to anything. So it's definitely worth it. Um, yeah. Apply. 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 At the end of the day, <laughs> you're going to get more experience. You're going to learn more. You're going to learn about what you need to work on more. You're going to learn about your strengths, your weaknesses. You're going to be better prepared. So just apply. I need to remind myself that I should replay that to myself every day. <laughs> um, so right before I get the last words from you, Philip, we, I, one last question came in from Jessica Santana. She wants to know, does Code 2040's long-term plan include intern talent and tech companies outside of SF? So I guess she's asking if you guys are going to be placing um, fellows in places other than uh, San Francisco. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yes. So the short answer is yes. Um, I'm not uh, privy to exactly where we're going to. There's a lot of, as you would imagine, a lot of a lot of uh, cities that want us to to have um, other headquarters there. Um, but I we will be expanding not in 2016 but in 2017. Um, so be on the lookout. Follow us on Twitter. You'll find out exactly where as soon as I find out. Um, and it's 2017. It's excuse me. Cities 2017. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see. Probably like I would venture to say like a New York or something like that. But um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, tech, you know, tech hubs right now really big. Um, Seattle, obviously, Chicago, New York, um, DC has a has a great. Um, tech vibe right now, uh, a lot of tech companies out there, Austin. So there's a lot of options I think for um, for us and we have to and eventually do like what makes sense for the organization. Uh, it's hard traveling when I'm on the East Coast and I'm up at, you know, I'm getting emails at uh, seven, at eight o'clock at night, you know, because my, my people are still up on the West Coast and it's five o'clock and it's still work time for them. Um, that was, that's, that's something we have to end up eventually learning how to navigate and whatnot. So we'll be on the lookout 2017. Um, but for now the Bay area in the summer is great. Uh, it's cold. It's, <laughs> it's cold. It's uh, bring a jacket and leave your shirts at home. And, uh, unless you plan on driving down to LA for a weekend, but, uh, when, one, of, one of the things I want to do mention is like for folks that are, um, you know, like the way I grew up, I, I, you know, for, for me, I was a first gen low income student. And, um, and so I definitely didn't have money to like fly up to the Bay area and like find housing and, and, and rent and all of that stuff. So we do provide a no interest loan of up to $1,400 for students that need um, the financial assistance to get to the Bay Area if your company is not already already flying you out there, not already paying for your housing. Um, we, we definitely want to help um, folks in that situation as well. I think that's so important to just bridge that gap because a lot of times I've heard other students also at Howard talking about the process of moving or relocating um, just to kind of close that gap and 
the disparities between actually having the ability to intern at a tech company and then having the opportunity to actually participate in that process of being in Silicon Valley or being at a company or um, just involved in tech actively. So since we're coming to the end, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say or tell anybody here, Philip? Yeah, um, I think both of you did a great job of telling students to apply. I think that's probably the first step. Um, and just, you know, I think the biggest thing is like believe in yourself. Uh, I know the tech assessment can be difficult. The API challenge, you know, can seem difficult, but just believe in yourself and know that we believe in you and which is why we're here. And so don't, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us. You can find me on Twitter. Obviously I respond there also, uh, but you can email me at philip, my first name at code2040.org. And uh, you can just say, Hey, heard, heard about, you know, I saw you on HPCU at the startup you know, and you have your questions, feel free to just email me uh, and I'll get back to you um, pretty quickly. So just apply, believe in yourself. We believe in you. Um, and and any questions you have, we'll, we're there to answer. I'm, I'm here for you. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, I think we're going to close it here since it's 8.02. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed this webinar and definitely had something valuable added. I know I learned a lot. And it was great hearing more about your experience, Sade, and learning about the changes to the program as well. So thank you for everybody who joined and listened. And we are going to see you next week at our upcoming Hangouts. And uh, hope to talk with everybody here again. Thanks, Anna.